This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Amateurs, there we go. Okay, my apologies. If you're watching online, if you're visiting, let me assure you, we have a professional pastor. <laughs> He's not here today. Uh, so you'll be taking this little journey with me. If you don't know me, my name is Adam Bennett. I'm an elder here. Uh, it is my honor to spend this time with you. Um, okay, we made it past the part where I say my name is. We'll be doing a lot of reading today. Uh, whenever I bring the message, which isn't very often, I assure you, I, I pray beforehand. I ask the Spirit to speak through me. Sometimes that's a lot, and sometimes he gives me what I need, and he says, I already told you. He already tells us a lot, okay? So if I spend a lot of time not making eye contact, I'm not here to connect with you on a personal level. Somebody else is supposed to be connecting with you. And he's doing that through his word, which poor Ryan, the folks in the back on the computer, got like 15, 16 slides to get through, okay? We're doing a lot of reading together, and I'm going to do a lot of reading at you. I apologize, it's got the face down, but it's not my words if my face is down. If my face is up, that's just me talking. It's not really that important, okay? Um, I would also, and, and not just welcome you into this gathering of worship, I would also like to welcome you into a season. The season is Lent. The Lenten season is a time that we slow down. If you missed Ash Wednesday, Wednesday, I welcome you into the beginning. We slow down, we refocus, we remember. We remember what God has done for us. We change up some of our, our routine. We do things a little differently to help us remember and to focus, okay? Uh, traditionally in the church, early church, and now in this church, uh, there's a tradition that this time of Lent and then Easter is a time of baptism. So it is not by any coincidence that we are beginning today, the beginning of Lent, a series on baptism. Okay? Um, so, that said, I promise you I'm not a, what, there's a word for it called sacramentalist. I'm not one. The last three times that I've done this has been uh, communion, adultery, which is marriage, and now baptism. So, uh, Apparently, sacraments is all I talk about. <laughs> I would like to uh, begin with bringing that word sacrament back. If you weren't here last time, surely you remember every word that I've ever said, or everything I've ever said, but sacrament, this is, this is how we teach this here. A physical representation of a spiritual reality, objective reality is truth. So again, a sacrament is a physical representation of a spiritual reality, and baptism is one of those things, okay? Um, I should say that this, is, this sacrament is something that has divided churches. Uh, wars have been fought. People get very angry about this. We have many ideas about it. We have uh, pedo-baptism, age of consent baptism. Uh, we've been through classes and, 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 and been through much training baptism. We have uh, sprinkle, full immersion. We answered all those questions in, in the first service. This time we're doing something else. Uh, no, just I want to let you know, I come in peace, okay? <laughs> I come in peace. 
What we're going to do in this series is we're going to peel back some layers of the onion. We're going to look at some different aspects of baptism. Please put up our list. This is the spoiler alert. This is what we're going to be covering. These are aspects of this sacrament. Birth, cleansing, journey, conflict, refreshment, and grace. Uh, today, journey. Out of order, as usual, we're out of order here. But the Paul and the family thing, so I was scheduled to do journey. We just bumped it up a few weeks. Uh, that's going to not cause too much trouble. We'll do a little backstory. We'll catch up. We'll be good. Uh, why teach on baptism? Why? Show of hands, who's here is baptized? A majority, a vast majority. So why would we bother doing a whole series on that? Uh, we've checked that box, right? Right? Like the click list, like, like I got to stop on the way home and pick up this and that, and then I go, yeah, right? Checked it, check. We need a, uh, a greater understanding, first of all. Maybe, maybe you missed a few things that God did for you. I mean, we don't want you to miss out. Uh, maybe it is Lent, a time of remembrance. Maybe we need to remember what God has done for us, okay? Uh, and finally, not every hand was raised. If you're out there watching at home, not every hand maybe is raised out there. So, those of you who have done it and raised your hand, we raise our hand and we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth of this spiritual reality. We need to bear witness, show people, let them know how this went for you. If something we say today is a truth, maybe you need to amen that or maybe you need to tell a brother or sister that didn't raise their hand. Yep, that happened, okay? Not just today, but throughout this series, please, okay? Uh, because it is important, the next generation. That will be a theme. Um, we need to also further explain sacrament with one more uh, thing. If we could put, I, I think, no, we don't have a slide for that. We're going to just tell you. In order for the church church as a whole, the whole church, for church great to recognize something as a sacrament, something that we just agree, yep, sacrament, then that needs to be instituted by Jesus, okay? Uh, that just makes sense. We call ourselves Christians, and Jesus then instituted, it, then it's probably not that important to us. So this is important. It's a big deal. So, it has to be instituted by Jesus. So let's check that box. Uh, please bring up John 3, 5 for us. This will be our theme today. Nicodemus asked, the Pharisee asked, what are you talking about? Born again, Jesus answered. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3, 5. Okay. That's just... What? What? Okay. This is confusing. We're going to break down. Start off. Truly, truly. Maybe your translation says verily, verily. I like truly, truly. Uh, truly, truly, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Jesus is bearing witness. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is the way it is. He's bearing witness. I say to you, unless one is born, I think we understand born, hopefully, of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Water, spirit, kingdom. Loaded words. Let's break them down. Uh, I'm going to read from you, face down. I'm going to read to you from the Bible. We don't get very far. I never do. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 2. We begin in the beginning. God created 
the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Go ahead and bring up the slide with all the uh, water and spirit notes. We're going to skip ahead now. I think it's important to remember this began with water and the spirit is over. Okay? Water. Formless. What's formless mean? Chaotic, man. Could be anything. Could go any direction. The spirit comes over that and does something. Go all the way to Genesis 1, 9 and 10. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Okay, this is a feminine image in a part of the Bible that's all about guys. Uh, waters part, dry land comes forth. The chaos is separated. The potentials, life and death, good and bad, Go to opposite sides, something is brought forth. Order. A solid place where these choices can be made. Okay? And God's in control of that. Now, jumping way far ahead, Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Okay, so here comes the ground, right? That place of order where life or death can be chosen. God breathes into it. His spirit goes into it. We read Genesis, God spoke creation into being, right? His breath comes out into things, life happens. So, to recap, our water and spirit. Water is, has potential for life or death. It could go either way. It's a switch. It's a door. In, out. Life or death. God divides that to bring forth order. Ground. Solid ground. Water makes... Okay. And I would also add that that word ground is Adama. I like that because, you know, because. But uh, also, he breathes into that. Water makes borders. Let's not forget that. He separates it, but water separates us and makes borders. Chaos. What do people do? People, people, okay? They make their little spaces. They make their little orders. They make their little empires, okay? Our state, two and a half sides, water. Our nation. Water, three sides. You look at continents, every country, something. There's a water. People make their little places of order, and then there's a little chaos line, and on the other side is somebody else's little place of order. Okay? That's just how it works throughout history. It's the way it goes. Uh, let's also recognize in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, and Genesis 1, 9 through 10, that this is how God makes things. This is how God works. This is the formula. God is an incredible engineer. He does not need to change. There is no rework, okay? When he designs something, it's a good enough design. So it just keeps getting used again and again. Now, spirit, God's breath, brings the life to the Adamah. We're done with blueprint. So, we've got our water. We've got our spirit. We're back to John 3, 5. Water, spirit, kingdom. We need kingdom. Foundations class folks, they already know this one. Kingdom. Uh, Time out. First Sunday with no football. Thought some of you might need something to keep score of today. So, if you look in your notes, you will find some scorecards. You can keep track of things today. 
It should look like what's up here. If you're at home, you got like two minutes to make this. Uh, but kingdom needs a, we don't got it up there, but a kingdom needs a king, right? A law. The king is the lawgiver. He gives a law. If you got a kingdom with no laws, it's not much of a kingdom. That's chaos. You got a border and you got a people. If you don't have those, no people, no borders, you got no kingdom. It doesn't work. Your nation, your state, it fails without these things. There's no way around it. So, if you're going to have baptism, you need water and spirit. You need a kingdom. You need a king, a law, a border, and a people. So, we've got all the things we need to enter the kingdom of God. All right. Now, we've got our checklist for our journey. Let's begin on our journey. Got a journey. We need a map. We've got two maps here. This one, this is Moses and Israel. This one, this is my friend Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let's start over here in the land of Egypt. We're talking about kingdoms today. Where we're at, kingdom, Egypt. The Israelites are here, okay? That's where they're at. They're supposed to be here. That's not where they belong. They belong here. That's where they were. Canaan, land of Canaan. That's where they were. Why are they in Egypt? Well, they were in the promised land, and then there came a famine. God provided for that. This was a training exercise. He said, we're going to practice getting up and moving and then going back where we belong. God will provide wherever you go. So here we go, famine. He got Joseph over here preparing everything to save Israel. Israel comes over. They get the food. Famine over. Oh, we don't go back. We just hang out where we don't belong. Okay? We get comfortable in a place we shouldn't be. That's Israel. You see, God said he was going to bless them, and he does. They continue, even though they're not where they're supposed to be, they continue to multiply. They're fruitful. But they're in the land of a bad king. New king rises. He don't know about Joseph. He don't know how Egypt is doing so good because Joseph's God blessed them. Forgets it all. He's worried about his empire. And that's all he's worried about. He's fearful. He's a scaredy king for his empire. And he's worried about it. And what is he worried about? He's worried about these foreigners over here to keep multiplying. They're problematic. I'm worried. I'm scared. They're going to outnumber us. Don't like it. Need to hold them down somehow. Going to make them slaves. Funny thing about God's people, slavery is kind of our thing. They're even more fruitful. They multiply even more. Scaredy king gets more scared. He's more worried about his empire. So he ratchets it up. He, raises, he goes to the next level. I'm going to read to you from Exodus 1, uh, chapter, uh, verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. All right, first of all, water, life or death. He ain't using it for life. What happens if you kill all of one sex of a people? There's no next generation. This is not just the death of the babies. This is the death of a nation. So we have a bad king, bad laws, uses the water for death, spirit of self and fearful for an empire. He didn't, in your scorecards, there is no Pharaoh card because he got a goose egg. He did not check a single box. No score for Pharaoh. All right, under the suppression, Pharaoh's people, the Israelites, they cry out from our song earlier. I said, we don't plan that stuff. That's just how it is. Remember your children. Remember your promise. People, God answers prayers. He remembers his promises. He remembers his people. He comes. He sends Moses. All right. So Moses, he's on your scorecard, right? Where's Moses? Well, he's here. 
He's here. And when God calls Moses, everybody, story of Moses, I pray you know it. Where does Moses start out? Pharaoh's daughter takes him from where? From the water, right? Out of the river. Moses' name, Pharaoh's daughter gives him his name. His name means drawn from the water. That's what Moses means. So I think on Moses' scorecard, water, check. Next thing in Moses' life, he, he messes up. He's like, yeah, he's got problems. And he ends up over here. God comes over here, says, first, this ain't where you're supposed to be. Second, he speaks to him, right? He speaks to him from the burning bush, speaks into him to his face. And when God speaks into Moses, even though he's a little nervous about this, Moses moves. He gets up and moves. So God speaks into him and he gets up and moves. The spirit, he received it. Moses has spirit. All right. So Moses goes back. What did he do? Well, God does what God does. He destroys a bad kingdom, brings it to its knees, tears it apart. Hurricane Andrew, blizzard of 77, everything. There is nothing hardly left of that country. Okay. Now, at Passover, God frees his people. That is his grace, right? And they, re they receive it. They get up and move. Why did God free them? Freed for what? I would write that one down. I ask myself that one every day, every morning. Okay. What, what does he free people for? Now, immediately Moses leads those people, right? And don't forget, God, he's there. He's appearing. He is now the pillar of smoke by day and the, and the fire by night. So Moses is following God and the people are following Moses. That's what we call disciples, right? Like, like group, follow me while I follow God. Follow me while I follow Jesus. That's a disciple. So we got people that are moving. They're following Moses while he follows God. And the first place he take them, right here. Now, Egypt is a land of rivers. We had to cross a bunch of rivers just to get around any place in Egypt. But we go down here to the sea. Well, there's, there's, there's a reason for that. That sea, that's the border. That's out. That's the, that's this, you get across here, you are outside of this kingdom now. All right. So we're looking at borders. What does God do? Genesis 1.9. Parts the waters. Brings forth dry ground. And the people choose to exit. Okay? So, I think it's important to remember that that water opened for life. Pharaoh enters closes death there is no power left in Egypt over them they have left and that king has zero power now so right we got we're doing pretty good water yes king yes we've crossed our water right we're doing good here straight where should we go Straight to the promised land, baby. That's where I would go. Uh, they did not use Google Maps, Waze, or whatever. Obviously, we got a problem here. They headed this direction. Well, had a few things to pick up. They didn't check them off yet. So, Moses has spirit. People yet to be seen. Uh, well, we're going to head on down to Sinai. On the tip of the peninsula, we're going to go down to Sinai. We're going to receive Ten Commandments, the law. Check that box. We got the law. The lawgiver gave us the law. God tried to speak it right to the people, but they said, hey, uh, 
this God is scary. Could you just let us back up a moment? Moses, would you go talk to him for us? You can just bring us back, tell us about it, okay? They weren't real willing to be breathed into. I think they were still holding their nose from crossing the ocean. I'm not sure, but the uh, next, after the commandments, covenant, receive the covenant. God says, I'll be your God. They said, we'll be your people, right? I'm going to check that box. Not yet, like half a check. God is a God of realities, a God of truth. And the reality is he knows the truth of men's hearts. He knows the Israelites. They received the law and they broke it the next day, right? Okay, so he knows their heart. What they need is some training. They need some training. So he leads them. Do we go straight into the promised land? No, we go a little out in here's. Why? We need to do some training. What kind of training? Army training, sir. That's what. We got to do some army training. Uh, we're going to go march around. So I would like to read. Uh, I got to find my place again, my friends. All right, here we are. We have a slide because it feels like it's a big like leap from, sorry, Reggie, I'm moving too much. Uh, it feels like it's a leap from slave to army. So let's take a look at that. Slave, soldier, dependent for food, yep, shelter, yes on both accounts, clothing, better wear the uniforms, follow orders, you betcha. Leaves or desserts. That would be under penalty of death on both accounts. Tools issued. Sorry for my spelling. Trowel or plow. Or a sword and a shield. Seems like the only difference is the tools you get issued. Okay? So he's forming these slaves into his army. And we'll read for you their army training. Bear with me. This is a long one. We're going to keep it moving. Numbers chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. When the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. At the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord. At the command of the Lord by Moses. I have not been in the military family in the military, of a son in the military. Anybody from the military, does that sound familiar? March, wait, wait, march, march, wait, wait, march. Yes. That marching together, good stuff, man. We're all together. We're on the move. This is easy. There's rhythm. No problem. It's the waiting part, the waiting part. Hurry up and wait. That's the military way. That's the tough part. When they wait, they are literally in a camp with a tent in the center that contains above it. We've got the ark in it. We've got the cloud and the fire above it. And yet, just like people in the military, just like us, just like the people in Israel that were in Egypt, when they wait, they look around, they worry about stuff, they complain, or they're looking at the commander the king? Are they learning? Are they paying attention? Are they hearing? Are they absorbing that breath? No, nope. looking over here. We're worried about this, We're complaining about that. They don't take advantage of those times of rest. So, we're going to go ahead and check that box, people. They've been trained. They've been trained. 
scoreboard on Moses and the Israelites. Where are we at? Almost. We're almost there, man. Uh, still haven't checked a couple boxes. Let's check our map again. And I'm going to tell you the story of Numbers 13. We've circled around. We're up here at the wilderness of Zin. We're right in here somewhere. Okay? We're ready to cross the border. Because we already got the water and stuff. We just need to cross the border. We send in, because this is a military, we send in the spies. Right? So... They send one from every tribe. Twelve people go over to the promised land. They look around. They come back. They report to Moses in the camp. Now, we have deferring witnesses. We have a difference here. Ten say one thing, two say another. First ten come back. And their report is, Nice looking place. Uh, a lot of fruit. Looks good. But giants. They're big. They're mean. There is no way. In fact, they said that the land will devour us. These guys will eat us alive. They're scared. They give a bad witness. Uh, this is a spirit check. Okay? Where they're, they're checking to see what that spirit of fear, that spirit of worry for their little empire has somehow made it through from here all the way back over here. It never changed. Still got the wrong spirit. Now we have two, two dissenters in the ranks to come back to Moses. That would be Joshua, Moses' little buddy, and Caleb. Out of order again. I'm going to read to you how the people react when we give false witness. And they said, this is terrible. We can never do it. Uh, that would be Numbers 14, verses 2 through 4. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses because they heard that 10 witness. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's not desertion from the army. That's treason. They want a new leader, new commander. We're going back to the old king. That would be better. Would that we have died there. Would that we die in the wilderness. The two dissenters, Joshua and Caleb, their report. It's beautiful. Milk and honey, as promised. There are giants. We're truthful. Our God is bigger. Let's go. The people listened to the 10. They had the same spirit. So God passes judgment. He says, 40 years walking the desert until this generation passes. You want to return to Egypt, to the kingdom of death? You want to die in the wilderness? That's what you said. You, you said it. You get it, buddy. You get what you asked for. None but Joshua and Caleb, they shall enter the promised land. That's what he said. So, overtime, new scoreboard. Joshua, overtime starts a new game, right? No, Joshua and Israel. Here we go. The whole generation perished in, in the wilderness. They had lots more marching, lots more training. Lots more waiting and absorbing that spirit. This generation is different. So on the new one, they follow a king. Now, Deuteronomy 5. I don't know if you know this, but Ten Commandments is twice in the Bible. 
They give it twice. Why do they have to give it twice? Because this is a new Israel. They need the law again. So Deuteronomy 5, they retell the law and warn them, don't forget the last generation that didn't keep it. So they've got law. Check your scoreboard. All right. Then Moses gives them a speech. Moses is still with them. He doesn't get to go in, but he's with them. He takes them right up to the edge of the border and he warns them all. I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 through 20. Again, a long one, but it's important that Moses told them what he's going to tell them. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So it's possible you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in heaven and earth to witness against you today. That you, oh, sorry, I lost my place. That you, that, you will, that you will lose your place. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. That you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days and that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Okay. You can do this. Let's go. Come to the Jordan, the Jordan River. Like the Michael, the Jordan, more known for dunking, not so much for the crossover, right? But this is an amazing crossover. It is a killer crossover. It is awesome, all right? So we're there. If we had the map, we'd look and see that we're at a water border. We've circled around to the Jordan River. We're ready to go into the promised land. Spirit check. Send in the spies. Last time, 10 bad ones, two good ones. So this time we just send two because two's enough. They come back to Joshua. They say, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Spirit check. Check. They got it. They've got, that's not a fearful spirit. That didn't come out of Egypt. That came from a powerful God. Spirit confirmed. So, now we'll check Joshua, chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, it stops and pauses to remind you at this time of year, they are not crossing a creek. This is an overflowing river. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Araba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. Yeah, symbolism. All the way back to Adam, I backed it up so we'd have dry ground and nothing, none of the waters flowed into the Dead Sea. And the people walk across. 
And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Water and border, check and check, scoreboard, victory. See Jericho. They crush it. Crush it. Awesome. Yet, yet, they did not heed the warning of life and death that Moses gave them. They were good with the moving, not so much with the waiting. They got comfortable. That generation did well. Let's take a look at Judges 2, verses 7 through 14. There's no slide and we'll read again. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at timnah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And all the generation also were gathered to their forefathers. This generation has passed. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that had done, he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord, served the Baals, the Ashtaroths. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. He gave them over to plunders who plundered them and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies. So they could no longer withstand their enemies. Lesson to learn from that generation. Each generation must check those boxes. No one can be baptized for you. You can't baptize yourself. Nobody can be baptized for you. You have to take the journey. All right. New scoreboard. Jesus. Let's bring up the maps. All right. This is the map of Jesus' movements. We got a lot going on here. Jesus is a busy guy. He does a lot of moving. Got some lines here leaving. What's this line going down to King's Highway? Where's that go? Don't miss in the beginning of Jesus' story that Joseph and Mary, they had to leave. They had to leave with, with baby Jesus. They left the promised land. Why would they leave the promised land? Joseph, Mary, and Jesus left Israel for the same reason that Israel left Egypt. Bad king, bad laws, killing the baby boys. Okay? But this Joseph, who goes, another Joseph, goes to Egypt to save the inheritance of Israel. But this Joseph, he comes back on time. He does what he's supposed to do. He gets where he's supposed to be. And then, Jesus. Jesus begins his journey to serve the Lord's kingdom and is baptized by John the Baptist, right? Three of the gospels make it very clear. They all tell the same story. We'll take a look at Luke because this is the shortest. Uh, chapter three, verses 21 through 22. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Spirit, we're checking it. First, baptism, water. He's been in the water, right? Water check. Spirit. We got bodily as a dove descending. 
We have, you are my beloved son. Son, he gave him life. How, does, how did he receive that life? His breath. This is a double check. He's got so much spirit, okay? So much. We're all over the spirit. We've got water, we got spirit. Also note, if we're on the map, if we had it, it would be the same place where Joshua brought the people in. If you look on a map, you got Jerusalem, right outside of Jerusalem at the Jordan. That's where John the Baptist is operating. So Jesus went out to the same place and went back in. Didn't cross that border. He left that to his namesake, Joshua. He let him have that border. Jesus got bigger fish to fry, okay? Next thing we got to get to. We go from new Joshua to new Moses. Still with Jesus here, we need to call people out. We need disciples, right? We need people. Let's take a look. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Hey, people, move. Repent. That means make a change. You're going the wrong way. Turn around. Go the right way. Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Number one, just like Moses, follow me while I follow God. That's how it works. Right light group, follow me, follow God. Next, we have fishers of men. If you're following me, he took a bunch of fishermen. They're half trained already. They're pulling fish out of the water. I want you to pull people out of the water. Put them in, take them out. You're halfway there already, fishermen. Get with the program. I would add for good measure at the Sermon on the Mount. He works for the next generation as well. Moses warned the next generation. Jesus is working on the next generation. Okay, he's got his disciples. He's got his people following him. He wants the next generation coming along. So at the Sermon on the Mount, he calls them. He calls out to them. He promised them, inherit the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to inherit it? He calls them out. He says, hey, the meek, the persecuted, blessed are you. Come, get it. All right, so people, check that box. This kingdom got some people. Now, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Law. Check. If you're still with me, where are we at on score? How are we doing? King and kingdom. That's all we need, right? Okay. King and a border. King and a border. Apologize. King and a border. That's what's missing. All right. Let's go to Mark, where Jesus starts telling us about how that's going to work. Mark 10, 38 through 40. Jesus said to them, he's speaking to the sons of Zebedee here, his disciples, who have asked to sit at his right hand. You do not know what you are asking. You are, able, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Sounds like Jesus is talking about being baptized again. I mean, he's been to the water, right? Okay. We're going to fast forward to Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns 
They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his clothes and led him away to crucify him. King, check. Now we're going to go to John chapter 19, verse 30 through 34. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once came out blood and water. Water border crossed. Check. Victory. Hallelujah. Now all we need is to baptize the next generation. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this. I call the worship team forward. Uh, again, I praise you for your patience and for listening. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.